So tell me, when you were growing up, were you more academic or were you more sports-minded? I'm thinking elementary school mm -hmm. first. Mm -hmm. Thoughtful, reflective more than, more than sportive. Today I'm fortunate to be speaking with Michael McCoy. He is an award-winning Nikkei 50 change agent. He's very discreet and he's also a confidence coach, I would say, but he's a coach and he'll help you in areas that most of us need a lot of help in. So without any further ado, I'd like to welcome Michael. Thank Michael. you very much, Lance. It's great to be here. Yeah. Well, listen, it's great having you here because the way that we spoke when we met before, we met for about mm -hmm. an hour or two hours. I think it was a pretty long day, wasn't it? It felt like 15 minutes. It felt like 15 minutes, but it was yeah. all day, I think, we stayed together. And the comment you wrote after that I thought was so pleasant. It was so nice. I really appreciated that. So, so let's start off with, where were you? I know, I know most uh -huh. of this already. Sure. I know you were born in Ireland, but let's say uh, where. Um, actually, I was conceived in Ireland, in County Armagh. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Is that okay? <laughs> yes. Um, and actually born in Liverpool. Okay. Um, and grew up in Belfast. Um, mm. So Liverpool was a, a very short, short stay there. And siblings? Uh, I have four siblings. You're number five. five. I'm number and five. And tell me the top, tell me the sexes from the top down. Okay, so I've got a sister and then three brothers above me. The sister's in the top? Yes. She's the oldest. Uh -huh. And wow. how many years between? Uh, quite a few. It might be Between you and the sister? Eight, 18 years. Yes. So tell me, um, when you were growing up, were you yeah. more academic or were you more sports-minded? I'm thinking elementary school mm -hmm. first. Mm -hmm. um, probably uh, thoughtful, reflective more than, more than sportive, I would Being say. the last child, I think. Uh -huh. Possibly. But you had a lot of input too. Were you close with your brothers I, I, and I, sisters? There was an a, a bit of an age gap, um, mm -hmm. so um, it could have been a bit closer actually. By the time I was a teenager, for example, most of them or all of them had moved out of the house. Okay. Um, so you feel like you were the only child in a way? In a way. When yeah. you were being raised uh -huh. because the attention, yeah. special attention was being given to you. Uh -huh. But being the last child, yeah. that's almost kind of like the, you're allowed to do almost anything you want because the parents are tired. Uh -huh. They know that they know that all children come with different personalities, mm -hmm. and you'd probably watch some of the things that happened to some of your brothers that had personalities. You thought, okay, I may not want to go that route. Yeah, is that right? And precisely. Okay, so you you knew how to maneuver a little bit better than they did. They they were finding out. <laughs> they had to put their hand in the fire. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Possibly so. Yeah. Okay. So, what subjects did you enjoy um, diving into? Uh, languages, really. At a real early um, age? Uh, well, I remember um, teaching myself French off. Uh, there's, there's this British um, brand of sauce called HP sauce. HP, I think, stands for Houses of Parliament because it's got Big Ben on the front and the, 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 the and Parliament. And I remember uh, reading from about maybe eight, nine years old, La sauce HP est un mélange. Was it un mélange? de fruits et yeah. So this HP sauce is a, is a blend of oriental fruits and spices. And they had the same spiel in English as well, so I could, I could compare the two. French, I started in the last year of elementary school, 
um, started studying it and kept that right through until the end of high school. Okay. Yeah. So how many languages do you speak now? Uh, well, my French is at best schoolboy French or conversational French. Um, uh, Japanese and, and English would be the, okay. the, the big ones. Um, I had attained quite a high level in Irish, Irish Gaelic. Which so you can speak Gaelic? I can but I think that language is, well, it's been kept alive by those yeah. diehards, which Irish Yeah, by the Irish diehards are, and, and, Irish by, and by, uh, there are also Irish language channels on Irish TV, for example. They only speak in like Gaelic? Mostly in Gaelic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they will be occasionally using content from other countries right. yeah, to keep it relevant <laughs> uh, and keep it fresh, keep it young. When did you start practicing Gaelic? Um, the Gaelic was um, when I started uh, going to a Christian Brothers school um, in the city centre of Belfast and they had a very strong all-Ireland all ethos and uh, very strong cultural ethos as well. Well, this uh, is what after elementary, after elementary school, after elementary yeah. school. So yeah. you went to uh -huh. during elementary school. It was mm. co-ed. It was co-ed. Okay, yeah. and then when you went to this, it was boys only. Oh, boys only. Yeah, and that's why I'm so shy. Right. Did yeah. you stay there all the way through? All the way through to eighteen. Till eighteen. Uh -huh. So what were your focuses then, uh, outside of the Gaelic? Well, uh, <laughs> there was the Gaelic. There was the, the language um, element and. Uh, the sciences, although as a primary school kid or elementary school kid, um, I had this dream of being a vet because I loved animals, um, I soon discovered that sciences were, were not something that unfortunately um, did too much for me yeah, um, and that I really enjoyed the languages. Mm. Um, uh, so. I, I followed the languages and that, that's what I was strong So at. when you finished high school then where mm. did you go? I went to university okay. and uh, started a social studies course um, at a local university right. in, in Ireland, mm -hmm. um, not so far away. D how old were you when you came to Japan? I was 21. Oh, so this is just right out of college basically. Yeah. So yeah. You uh, okay, so you came straight. But what made you want to come to Japan? Um, I'd always be really, really interested in in uh, Japan from the perspective of here was a country that had never been um, until 1945. That is, never been um, occupied by a European power, and by European power, essentially culturally, you know, the U.S. is one too, um, and uh, so that was something that was quite unique. When did you start this fascination? How old were you? Uh, I guess it would have been around the time, and, and this, this applied to people uh, equally around the world, when we started seeing fabulous quality transistor radios, larger pieces of uh, electronic equipment, my dad's first Toyota, for example, yeah, things like that. And uh, I remember this totally blew the socks off my dad that um, he had this car that actually started on a winter morning yeah, and he didn't have to like um, warm up the engine and the, he had a little stove to warm up the engine on, on his um, English made cars for example right, yeah? right. Um, but, but suddenly he had this super reliable car 
And he just raved on about it. He just loved it. Showed it off to everyone, I bet you. Absolutely. Every time you get yeah. up, the next thing yeah. out of his mouth was, yeah. Toyota, my Toyota. Yeah. And yeah. Nobody, nobody at the time could pronounce Toyota. That's right. Yeah? <laughs> Tayado, tomato. <laughs> what? What is it? What's your father's yeah. first name? Sean. So he said, here comes Sean with his tomato. Yeah. <laughs> tomato. Here comes your, and you're, gonna, you're not going to get enough yeah. of this tomato watch. Yeah. <laughs> indeed, indeed. It came with air conditioning. It came with power windows. It, it didn't have air conditioning because that is. wasn't a market requirement. It wasn't required at that time. It it was certain, certainly not in Ireland. Right anyway. in Ireland. Yeah. Okay. So in Northern Europe, um, yeah. air conditioning is a pretty recent addition to cars, but mm -hmm. it had everything else. Right, right, right. And it had a... Uh, a radio where you could actually get a signal even um, in the mountains and things like that. And that was quite revolutionary too. So you came to, what did you, when you came to Japan at 21, mm -hmm. where did you land? Where did uh, you end up first? So um, I came with uh, somebody who was um, uh, cuter than myself, let's say. Okay. Right? And she introduced me to Japan. Before coming to Japan, actually, we'd taken a few months out to go traveling. Um, so my first time outside Europe was actually in India. And so a lot of people talk about the culture shock of, of coming to Japan. Um, and actually coming to Japan was, it felt like coming home for me. Um, where, had, where had you been? Okay, go well, I'd, we'd, we'd f so my first uh, adventure outside Europe was India. And I remember landing in Indira Gandhi International Airport in New Delhi, and um, there were people everywhere, absolutely everywhere, thousands and thousands and thousands of people pressing up against you everywhere. Yeah, and that's simply, you know, the, the demographics there. It's huge. There are loads and loads of people, um, but coming from a very low population um, place like Ireland. Um, this totally freaked me out. It wasn't that the people were Indians. It was just there were so many people. Yeah, totally, totally freaked me out. And so for the first two days, I was really, I'd, I'd really gone into my shell and I was thinking, oh my, gee, what, you know, what am I doing here? Um, how, why did I make this decision to come here? There's just so many people everywhere. And I guess it was um, uh, too much stimulant. And the second night, we went to sleep. And I remember it would have been late October. We went to sleep with the window open, and a fly screen, of course. And they still had steam trains at the time in India. And I remember the sound of the steam trains going, woo, woo. And I thought, wow, that's a really evocative, romantic sound. And I woke up the next morning saying, give me India. I want more India. I can't get enough of India. I'd fallen in love with the country. After hearing the trains. After hearing the trains. So, okay. yeah. Wow. So it did something for me. So mm -hmm. there was whatever uh, neurochemical was, mm -hmm. um, just flicked a switch right during there. the night. So how long did you stay? Um, India, we weren't there for so long. We had, we had a little bit more traveling to do. Um, 
So India would have been um, maybe about 10 days or so. Um, from there we went up into Nepal and from Nepal uh, up through Tibet and from Tibet up into northwest China and uh, right across to Beijing uh, down through Shanghai uh, up the Yangtze a few days to Wuhan um, which was very this famous recently very of course definitely. from there down to Guangzhou and uh, thence to Hong Kong mm -hmm. and from Hong Kong to Japan so um, after this <coughs> A um, uh, bit of an adventure, I guess, overlanding. Um, coming coming to Japan well, really was like home. There, there what was year was this? Yeah. This would have been uh, 1986 going into 87. Okay. Um, incidentally, uh, my uh, first Christmas away from home, I was in Beijing. Um, uh, suffering from a severe bout of gastroenteritis. Um, I'd spent the, the previous three days traveling on a train with, with my life trying to seep out of me through every pore, okay. essentially. I won't mm. give you the details. Yes. Um, uh, so I thought, oh, here I am in, in Beijing at, at Christmas and I'm going to die here. I was convinced I was going to die because I felt so bad. And uh, extremely lonely. First Christmas away from home and stuff. So, uh, fortunately, one of my traveling companions found some Guinness. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> and you, you've seen the old slogan, Guinness is good for you. Right. Well, it must have been the iron content in the Guinness, or, or perhaps um, just psychologically, uh, actually, having, having some Guinness. Um, flicked a switch. And, and I, got, I got well again. Now, how long had you been sick? Uh, I'd say about five days okay. or so. Okay, so it probably yeah. run its course and just at the Pro time of Probably Richard. so. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You were completely emaciated, I'm sure. You had nothing yeah. left in you. Indeed. The Guinness Indeed. gave Indeed. you just the kick you needed. And, <laughs> a, and a little drop of hydration too. Yeah. Okay, so you find yourself in Japan. Where did you land in Japan? Uh, we we came into in through Narita, okay. and uh, so I stayed in Tokyo initially with um, uh, my friend's family for a short time before. So the, fr so the friend was Asian. Yeah, Japanese. The, one that Japanese. the Japanese person that yeah. you left with uh -huh. from Ireland was Asian. From we met in London. Okay, and okay. And we traveled from London. Okay. Yeah. Oh. So you came here. So then w how long did you stay during your first trip to Japan? Uh, I s well, I'd, I thought I'd, I'd have a look around. And um, I really liked what I experienced. And of course, uh, at the time, it's the end of the 80s. Um, I stayed through till the early 90s. So you watched the bubble burst. I watched the bubble burst. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you, so when you came here, you actually stayed for about five five years. Five years yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. What were the first things that impressed you the most? The first three things would you say that you still talk about? The ordered nature of things. The high regard paid to integrity. A lot of people seemed to keep themselves to themselves. 
and not intrude or impinge too much on, on other people's business. Yeah. Of course, the longer you're in any society, you'll see plenty of, you'll see of, everything you find of exceptions to that um, assumption. Yeah. And Japan is just as, as full of emotion and gossip and, and envy as, as anywhere else. That's right. Mm. It's just presented differently. Exactly. Anyway, so you stayed for how long the first time? Five years? It was five years. And then, then yeah. what did you do after that? Um, so my parents were getting longer in the tooth, as we say in Ireland. And I thought, well, if, if there is a phone call, you know, that, that journey home to Ireland, is, it's a long journey. Um, so I decided I'd base myself in Europe um, so that I'd be closer to them if, if that phone call did come. And indeed, Many of them did come, um, some false alarms, some not. Um, and uh, I was based in London and involved. I had uh, a boutique consultancy um, helping Japanese organizations, uh, visiting Japanese people who wanted to uh, achieve various uh, projects, um, mostly in the UK. Okay, they had nothing to do with Ireland? Uh, nothing to do with Ireland, unfortunately. Okay. And how long mm. was it before you came back to Japan? Um, it would have been, well, I'd, I'd had visits and business trips and so on uh, back to Japan, but it would have been uh, 2011. Right. So when you came back, you've been ever since? When you came back, you've been here ever since? Ever since 2011. Yeah. Ever since 2011. Uh, do you have any intentions of going back to Europe or to Ireland? Mm, Which is in Europe. I, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel pretty established here mm -hmm. in, in many ways. Um, and I have uh, ties here as well. Okay. Which, which, yeah. Make you want to stay longer. Make me want to stay longer. So, what do we find you doing today? How did you come up with this award winning Nikkei? So, 50 the, the award winning Nikkei 50 agent. change agent. agent. Okay. Um, the background to that was that um, I happened to be working for a, a large uh, and famous Japanese multinational, and uh, I was working in the essentially the CEO's back office in Europe, European CEO. I was emceeing, um, I guess, uh, well, facilitating, facilitating, let's say. Um, uh, management conference, middle management conference at the time and um, the CFO uh, afterwards tapped me on the shoulder and said, I like what I see here and he said, um, I have something that you might be able to help me with and I'm thinking CFO wanting me to help him with something and he introduced this, this he proposed something to me and I said, I'm not the world's most numerate person, and you've seen my spreadsheets. And he frowned, and he said, yeah, I have. Mm. And uh, he said, don't worry, we'll help you with this. And the proposal was that I was to be the figurehead for a cost reduction program in Europe. And this was quite daunting. It was totally outside my comfort zone. Um, and very often in life, that, 
that hasn't been an obstacle to me. I want to push the envelope, really. Um, so the first thing I did was um, conducted hearings around Europe, and conducted a hearing here in Japan, in, in Osaka. And uh, a common theme with all of our people was that um, job security was a, was, a, was a real fear for people. Um, and so uh, I thought about that for a couple of days and uh, flew to Frankfurt where our COO was based and he was the, he was the program owner in terms of you know, the authority behind the, the program. And uh, I made a proposal to him and he said, German guy, um, he said, are you crazy? I said, mm, I think so. He said, oh, speak to Asada, who was the CFO. And so I uh, flew back to London and spoke to Asada-san. And Asada-san says, Ahoka, in his beautiful Osaka manner. And so listen. And he said, He liked it. Yeah, try it. Try it up. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I think he liked this, this different aspect to it. And, and what it was, um, I ran this particular brand up the mast of the program, which, which said that as long as I was in charge of this cost reduction program, my promise to everyone in, in the region was that headcount reduction would not be included in our figures. Now, uh, finance directors across the group in all the different, different countries and different organizations, there were a lot of operations, a lot of entities across the, the, the continent and, and in the UK as well. Um, they, they did not like this. Um, and individually, I, I, I said to them, look, you do what you need to do and you can still report that to CFO. However, if we report it through this cost reduction program, then that's just going to sabotage the whole thing. And people aren't going to, uh, to work to identify waste around them and report that waste and, and cancel contracts for redundant uh, subscriptions, redundant services, etc., etc. And uh, finally, they, they accepted this, and we were, on, on, on thanks, to, thanks to the wonderful teams um, that we had in the different countries, um, we were phenomenally successful in reducing operation costs in the consumer sales organization. And that's how you got the award. So where do we find you today? Today, well, w when I came back in 2011, um, essentially uh, I thought, okay, uh, and I had this opportunity to come back to Japan and I started training and in 2011? In 2011. Okay. Started training uh, corporates. Um, so uh, cross-cultural communications, mm -hmm. things like that. Um, and I thought, what did I really, really enjoy during my time at this multinational? 
and uh, and it occurred to me, well, what I liked best was actually negotiating with the heads of all the businesses, persuading them to adop adopt what I wanted to sell, essentially, um, and subsequently working with their teams mm -hmm. to achieve success. Yeah. And in this cost reduction program, the savings entirely went to the individual, mm -hmm. the respective business entities. Not a penny came to headquarters. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, we didn't want that. So it's entirely up to you. Um, so uh, this was, uh, and also I had the opportunity in the in the multinational to uh, MC their uh, twice yearly top management conferences, and once a year the uh, top guy from global headquarters from Osaka would would fly in, and so I had a lot of uh, access to his presentation, working in the CEO's back office, a lot of access to the, the latest strategy and so on and so forth, and was able to help people with their presentations to the top management conferences and give them an idea of what was, what was going on, what, what, what would be on message, so on and so forth. Um, coach um, non-Japanese business heads about what's, what's going to be uh, most culturally acceptable in their presentations, so on and so forth. I am involved in, in making sense for equally Japanese people working globally, mm -hmm. Japanese, typically Japanese executives working globally, um, uh, non-Japanese executives working with Japan, and also um, around the world people who have no connection with Japan whatsoever. Um, they're simply um, l connecting with me for uh, the skills um, the, the learning that mm. I've, 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 I've learned from some of the, the greatest minds in, in coaching. Um, and plus there's that experience of, of going around and achieving uh, uh, a, a moderate amount of success myself. Right, right, right. Um, working across industries, across cultures, across uh, business domains. Before I end the podcast, mm -hmm. we're getting to that yeah, time now, yeah. there's always a question I like to ask. Mm. If you could magically go back in time and talk to the younger hmm. Michael yeah. and give him advice, mm -hmm. how old would he be and what advice would you give him? The realization from an earlier age that I knew absolutely nothing and still know absolutely what age, nothing. What age would you be talking to him? Things. Um, he'd probably be in his late teens. Okay. And you would do what? You'd tell him? Um, that uh, the more you learn, the more you discover how much you don't actually know. Good advice. Mm. Fantastic. And I think it was Plato originally. Uh, I've that heard idea that. I've heard uh, that. Of, of not actually knowing anything. So I said, oh, I don't know anything. I'm going to put your information on the description part. Mm -hmm. If you want people to contact you, sure, they should contact mm -hmm. you through that. Wonderful. And I want to thank you for your time. Okay. Thank I you. appreciate it, Michael. Thank you. I want to thank all of you for watching this podcast. Make sure you press like and subscribe. Mm -hmm. And never forget, it's all on loan. So continue to reach for the stars. Because you're too blessed to be stressed. <laughs>